Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso fast, hot, and intense. Hello, welcome to Ask the Analyst. This is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman along with Coop Coopersmith. Hello, Coop. Hello, Jacqueline. Ready to kick the year off. Right, let's do it. Absolutely, 2017. We're hitting it with, you know, hitting it full force, full steam ahead. Really excited to start our first broadcast of Ask the Analyst. You've been, those of you who've been following Coop and I for through 2016, we did our bi-weekly podcast to bring to you topics in and around everything analysis related. Um, and, you know, this year is going to be very interesting, I think, for the industry. Anything related to analysis, project management, IT in general, you know, we ended the year and a lot of conversations that we had with people were around, you know, reorgs, change, um, transitions, and transformations, uh, some of them very much around the agile and those of the, those of introducing themselves to Agile as well as, you know, taking it to the next level and maturing their Agile. So there is a a lot to talk about and a lot that people are doing in this space to be both creative, innovative, and also to address some age-old problems that just have continued to uh, challenge different projects. So Coop, president of B2T Training, um, talk to us about as we start off 2017, what are some of the things that are on your mind and, and some of your thoughts and predictions? All right. Yeah. Um, you know, as I was thinking of this stuff, I'm like, well, it's going to sound self-serving, but we, we are in the, in the space of analysis and we're, we're not talking about predictions like uh, what's going to happen with our political system here in the U S right. We're talking about predictions of, of analysis and in the companies that we work with and information technology and how companies are, are running their business and running their technology uh, organizations. So 
I, I really think uh, there's two things, and some of this might be confirmation bias because we this is what we live and breathe every day. But it, I get this this sense of all the companies that I talk to day in day out, and that you talk to as well. So some of this is coming not just me personally talking to them, but uh, people like you, Jacqueline, that are out there um, consulting and and teaching uh, at these organizations. So I don't want to say this is just me and my conversations, but the, there is like this refocus on analysis. I do think, you know, when Agile started to get a lot of steam, there was this anti-analysis mode. And I know last year, we there are still people, uh, I mentioned on the show too, someone I talked to, and I asked them about what's going on with their analysis practice. They said, we don't do analysis, we do Agile. So I think there's still a, a wave of people that aren't completely understanding that they're not two separate things um, that to, to be agile, you have to do good analysis. So, um, so I think there is this, this refocus on analysis. There seems to be push as well to like whole organization thinking. Um, so just with, you know, uh, like us and with other people that are consultants and other people supporting organizations out there, I see a lot of uh, a lot of the services are going um, and focusing on a whole team, whole organization, culture change type stuff. So I think organizations are definitely seeing that this is, this is not just, oh, we'll, we'll talk to this team and get a couple of people uh, focused in that direction with a new mindset, that it has to be not just the IT teams, but also the leaders. Uh, also, the other departments that surround them, and you use the term a lot, the neighbors of of the teams, right? Like, so getting those neighbors kind of in the the same kind of mindset and collaborative mindset that they need to have. Um, I read an article the other day about someone talking about uh, when it comes to business process improvement, that organizations that have a business process improvement uh, center or center of excellence, and the only people that really focus on it are the people in that center of excellence are only gonna are gonna see suboptimal kind of results. But if you start to get everybody in the organization thinking about process improvement and owning processes, that then you're really going to to hit the ground running and make some major changes. So, um, so there's just been a lot of things that I've seen that organizations are definitely at the point um, of getting out of this silo mentality to these things have to be much broader and, and uh, you know, for lack of a better word, scaling or blowing them out to the whole organization. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what, and it, it dawned upon me as, you know, leading into this show and, and thinking about uh, – both some of the trends and things that we saw at the end of last year. And like I said, I, I can't underscore enough. I think we all were a little bit, not just maybe surprised, but really it was emphasized that how many different organizations were going through some type of reorg and change. And I think that, and to your point too, I think that a lot of organizations have come to the realization or hit a wall or just had a reality check um, that some of the things that they thought they could abandon or sideline or weren't important, they're having right. to stop and reevaluate. And I do find <laughs> and think that some of these reorgs and um, changing people in their, their roles um, and or bringing in 
different coaches or teams or trying to evaluate different methodologies. It's because that we, you know, I think the foundation has been shaken a little bit. Uh, people were trying to go along business as usual, and I'm almost feeling, and this, and, and this, I don't think this is, is my point of view, but I don't think agile is even going to be an option in some form or fashion to keep yeah. up. Um, you've got to figure out how to adopt it. So the issue is, is it's the people who are resisting versus the people who are embracing it, and then those who are um, trying to implement it, maybe with good intentions and maybe uh, misguided. So there, there's there's probably some some buckets within there, but you know it's almost like saying futile, you know resistance is futile. That that's what I'm kind of right. kind of finding. Yeah, no, and I think that's, you know, there were years ago, um, I think it was a conversation with Kent McDonald, who we both know. Um, we we were trying to figure out, like, because I, I was over, and I think you are too, like over people saying, well, either you do, either you're agile or you're waterfall. And, you know, waterfall is wrong and agile is right. And uh, what are you? You waterfall or you're agile? And to me, I don't think it's, it's about that. I think it's it, it, we, what well, we were trying to come up with, well, what is it? it? It's just the way we work. Right. So what you're saying is that everyone's going to be agile. I think now that is the mode that, that organizations, at least definitely on the, the information technology side, it's, it's in some form of agile manner, right. Where breaking things down into smaller chunks and, and learning as you're going and doing it in a way that, uh, allows us to learn and grow and adapt and change um, as quickly as the market is, or even ahead of the market, if, if that's even possible. So, um, yeah, I think that's the way we're going to work going forward. And organizations have to kind of figure out what that means for them. There is, there's not one, one specific way. Exactly. And, you know, that that even ties into one of my, my thoughts as well and observations is that the day of the purist is gone. It's, it's dangerous almost to be a purist that it's all about waterfall or it's all about agile. Like you said, it's, it's also it's finding that comfort zone. So where people want some type of dogmatic methodology that says you have to do and then you're going to get perfect results. We've proved I that's not IT. IT there's that 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 gray area in between. You've got to figure out what's going to work with the variables you're working with and 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 that's part of what an analyst should be doing in every aspect of what they do is understanding what those different variables are and helping people make some good decisions about which direction, what approach to use, how to use people, how to use the, the team appropriately. So, the, and, and to your point, you know, it's also that, that anytime you hear someone say, just like we heard early on in Agile, we don't need any BAs just completely <laughs> removing a whole discipline, um, right. you know, I think that, the, again, that purest type of mentality is dangerous. So when you have someone, and that, that might work well in the academic world, but when you get into the real world working environments, um, you've got these legacy systems, you've got your you, people who have years of experience, you can't just do 
all or nothing and just remove that the, that piece um, and think that there's not going to be repercussions. And I think that there's enough repercussions now, enough horror stories, I guess you would say, that we need to find that middle ground, that balance, and um, really just talk about that conversation of, you know, collaboration and, and finding that balance. Right. Yeah, and I, I think what uh, what organizations and some have have figured it out a long time ago. Others are, you know, to your point, maybe with these reorgs that are going on. Uh, and, and you're right. I, I wanted to comment on that. It was funny, you know, Shane, who's our director of development of uh, business, director of business development, you know, every day he would get, you know, call me up or send a chat message to me, another company going through a reorg. It was like, it was unbelievable that how many organizations uh, were under major reorgs last year and trying to figure out what that, that right mix was. So um, that happens. But um, my, my other point was around, you know, organizations figuring out what the right mix is for them. Um, and even, you know, and so I'll use an example of here at B2T training. So we're, you know, we're not the, the size organizations we're talking about are, you know, fortune 500 uh, or even fortune 1000 and below thousands and thousands of employees. Um, the, you know, we're talking B2T training, which, you know, is in the 25 and under category. Um, and, you know, I want as the, the, one of the leaders of the organizations, there's things that I want to make happen. Uh, um, and yeah, I, to me, I, I'm, I'm ready to move, right? I've been thinking about it. I want it to happen. I can see the, the end game, but you can't just overnight kind of think everybody's going to make the switch, right? Everybody has their processes and their mindset, and um, you have to bring people along with you on that journey to, to make it a reality. So you can't, to, to your point about the purists, you can't like go from one way of doing business to overnight just, okay, now we're going to this other thing, right? Uh, which felt um, almost anti, right? There's a lot of pieces and parts from if you're a purist waterfall, purist agile that were conflicting. So um, just to make that switch is, is really hard. So if you think about it's hard in a, 25 or less um, company now expand that to thousands and, and understand that things are really difficult uh, to make this happen. But if, if you have a consistent view around uh, the principles and where you're trying to go, that then, and that's why it's different for everybody, right? How one principle is implemented at one company can be different at another. Exactly, because you're you're putting it on top of you know a, a legacy of whether it's processes and procedures and even you know the the, the resources and so that that shift the shift it's a culture shift shift which we talked about um, and that's one of the things that sometimes with these reorgs some are quite necessary sometimes they're just knee jerk reactions because they're they're not real willing to kind of give some of those transformations and some of that storming and forming and norming the opportunity to kind of settle in and so that's another dangerous thing too and and again like you said it's interesting, especially as we've worked very closely with clients in some cases for years, 
not only are they going through one reorg, but their different parts of the organizations are introducing and reorging on top of a reorg and, and introducing methodologies on top of the the uh, uh, methodology and and even some of their finding contradictions between them. And it's just been, for some of the employees, it's just been exhausting. And, and that's another thing that, you know, uh, about the environment, too, is is being cognizant of what the impact is on people. You know, we can talk methods and processes and approaches, but you also have to keep your pulse on the people, too, because they make or break any business, and, and, and businesses should know that by now. And then on top of that, the type of resources people are looking for now, it may be easy to say that, you know, you could replace them, but at the same time is when you have someone that has subject matter um, background as well as a technical expertise, as well as understanding the vision of the organization, we've always known that it's very expensive to replace resources. And so companies have to understand and also check for what's the health of the team? What's the health of your employees? Where's their their morale level? And sometimes you got to take a pause and, and check that as well, that things may look good on paper, but the, the timing and the pace to what people can absorb, not just one change, but multiple changes that are going on in the environment. Um, and sometimes, you know, we see it firsthand because, you know, when, when people are sitting in our class, we can see they want to embrace, they want to take on, they can see the value, but then they've got a lot of other things that are swirling around too that they're trying to, to juggle and embrace at the same time. So and important in finding that, that balance too. Yeah. No, it's, you know, there was something you said earlier, I don't know, just like typical, we're getting off predictions, but this is kind of, it's all related to predictions, I think. Uh, it's or it's related to our prediction what companies are doing you know it, you made me think of you know when you talk about the people and and the change and the storming forming norming uh that or the forming actually has to come first right um but you form the team and uh but the um it reminded me like of an exercise that you do in um the agile analysis boot camp uh around how you really make people feel what what change means. Um, and you talk to them about, you know, the concept of agile is about accepting change and adapting to it. Um, and everyone's like shaking their head. Yeah. You know, yep. Makes sense. Um, and then they get into an exercise and you, you throw them for a loop and add, you know, a change. And some people do accept it and adapt. Others don't. Right. And then, then they get it like, ah, that's what you mean by accepting change. Um, and I think that's the piece where um, organizations are starting to realize and focus more on, okay, this is, this is bigger than just throwing out um, a new approach of how we're going to do work. Um, it's, it's figuring out how are we going to get them comfortable and get people on board and bought into this. Um, and, and it goes to the same thing, you know, in the improv stuff I do, I always talk about that. Yeah, you can, you can throw a team together and say, okay, now you guys are going to collaborate and you're going to be co-located and we're not going to switch you off a team, which is all agile related, but that doesn't mean 
the people on that team are can automatically overnight start to have good conversations and work well together. Um, so you have to give them the opportunity to do that and give them the guidance and the coaching and the training to how do they do that. So, uh, so I think that is where organizations are, are realizing now that, yeah, this, yes, it makes sense. We, this is the way we're going to have to do business, but uh, we don't have to just focus on the technical pieces of stuff and we have to focus on the people side of things. And, and if we do that, then we can really make some significant changes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we, 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 like you said, before we trail off any, any further, why, why don't you take us back to some of the other predictions and some of your other thoughts around uh, 2017? Um, well, you know, the other main one was around, like, um, just whole company kind of focus. So it, it relates to analysis. I think it relates to process improvement. It relates to, um, you know, the mindsets. You know, we, you and I, in our offline conversations talk about mindsets a lot. So, um, and I think that that's where people need to, my prediction is people are going to be focusing more on that and focusing more on um, these key disciplines. You, you've written articles around and we've seen other people write about kind of the, the T-shape methodology or not methodology, uh, the T-shape of, of skill, building your skills where you might have depth, in, in maybe one or two areas, but you're you're going to grow, or you need to grow, um, kind of wide too, the top of the T, right? To to understand more, and I think I think that's re- going to be really important. Um, I think the people that uh, separate themselves from the pack are going to be the ones that focus on that that T-shaped model for their skill development, and not just. Um, so you talked about getting away from purists. I think there's um, the people that can be a little more flexible and pick up different roles depending on the need of the team or the organization, I think are going to be the ones that add value. But uh, I mean, at the same time, you can't be a pure generalist either. I don't think uh, being a generalist, so, you know, trying to be the jack of all trades is, is the route to take either. It- Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, there are definitely, you know, different disciplines, and those different disciplines, they have their tools, their techniques, they have, you know, you know, they, they, you develop a person within that, that discipline, and so you need someone that specializes in, in particular areas. And there's just, quite honestly, people have their different passions, too, and even maybe their natural skill set that they're comfortable in, um, and, and that's where they want to focus. And so you you don't want, like you said, to make everyone a generalist. You want to celebrate and promote those specialized or those niche areas, but not without them being able to um, kind of, you know, reinvent and be a utility player when it comes to um, especially supporting the team and what's what's best for the team, what's best for the project. So being, you know, specialized but not being rigid, I think, is is so important. That goes back to, you know, the the spirit – of, of agile and, and and quite honestly, you know, just having the mindset that hey, I'll help out where I can, 
and, you know, I might have to have someone, you know, go behind me and just proof what I've done or whatever the case may be, but that I'm willing. I'm willing to, to try or do um, or, you know, just, just to, to be of whatever assistance that you can. So I, I like that. And, you know, something else that you, you mentioned, too, you know, even when it comes to our, our podcast, and we talk a lot about analysis, but, you know, the conversation about analysis just shouldn't be within the BA community. You know, we're business analysts and we're specialists, so, yes, we talk about it. We go to our IIBA meetings and to our conferences. But what I definitely want to see more of in 2017 and would love to get your thoughts on it is that at these conferences there's more, you know, CIOs and there are even CEOs product owners, you know, people in the different components, the, the business side um, coming to these meetings uh, and, and being a part of this community and the conversation about what analysis should be because we feel at the heart of it that everybody uh, somewhere along that, that T-shape you know, whether you're doing system analysis or you're doing the technical analysis, if you're doing the data analysis, the process analysis, some form or fashion analysis should be um, a common thread across our vocabulary. We're just maybe doing different pieces of it, and we've got to understand how to bring those pieces together and, you know, make sure that we, we, we are tying or connecting the dots between that analysis and, and so that's something that I definitely hope is a trend that we see in 2017. So just want to get your thoughts and even maybe how, how do we do that and, and do we see some of that already happening? Yeah, so, so I completely agree that it's got to be in everybody's kind of um, mind or head that more people need to be doing analysis or, again, back to that mindset, having that analysis mindset. And one of the big pieces you highlighted is connecting the dots. That's what analysts do. They kind of see all these things that are going on and start to um, tie the pieces and analyze and, and come up with, you know, what are the real needs? What is the real problem to go after? Why, why is this potential solution a better fit than another potential solution or one way to go versus another way to go? Um, so people having that is important. Now, how do we do that? I, I, I'll be honest here. I, you know, I think that that was the whole purpose of, of the IIBA starting um, back in 2003, so 13 years ago, uh, or almost 14 years ago now. Um, so, um, and I don't think anyone has the answer yet. I, I think part of part of the problem, and this is one of the things we wanted to to talk about today, part of the problem is the perception of what analysis is. Like if you break down and talk to a CEO or a CIO and, and they can talk to you and I, and, and we talk about what analysis is, they're like, Oh yeah, everybody knows that. Right. Um, but when they look at the people that are playing that role today or have the title business analyst, they don't see those people doing that kind of work. Um, or not enough of those people doing that kind of work or, or the people that are business analysts at heart and always will be, they don't have the title of business analyst. Um, so 
so the, the the real people doing that stuff are not called business analysts and i think that kind of hurt. and part of it is an hr issue we know at many companies that business analyst title um is a catch-all you know it kind of for whatever reason that title like picks up everybody like we're not sure what you know where to put you so we're going to call you a business analyst too um but they're they don't do anything that you'll find in kind of the business analysis literature out there um a friend of mine called me once he actually does the business analysis that he does is you know he analyzes business and businesses and then gives stock you know um stock advice to people to say whether you should buy and he thought we did the same thing. I'm like, no, that's not the kind of business analysis I do. So, so there's a lot of confusion, a lot of things going on in that space. But I do think um, people need to realize that um, this discipline is is needed not just by a few, but by many. Um, with that said, I think there's, you know, like if you're a doctor, um, most doctors, or I think maybe the the smart doctors don't try not to self-diagnose, right? Um, because they're, I think they're too smart, um, and they they've been through all the training and they see patients day in day out. They could just self-diagnose. A lot of good doctors go to other doctors, um, just like you and I do. So, um, so everybody having the analysis mindset is good, but at the same time. Um, you need to have different voices and sometimes you need other, depending on your role and what you're playing uh, day in, day out, you need to have other people. Um, so as an example, you know, you and I uh, and Hans Eklund just met a couple of weeks ago to talk about strategy for B2T training. So th- this is, I grew up, I've been trained, I've been doing strategy for, for a long time. Right. Um, and I could facilitate and help other people do it for, for their organization or their department or their project, whatever it is. Um, but I felt the need, I needed other people that could do this, um, like you guys, to help. And that, you know, that, that's, a, I think, a good thing that people need to be aware of, that, yes, they have the background, but it's good to get other voices. So what, what's your take on that, that twist? No, I I. I... Totally uh, agree, and you know, and let me backtrack a little bit to, to something that you mentioned too, because uh, the the title business analysis and how it's first and for years actually has been kind of this this catch all. But you met someone that you talked to, and that's what they did. They actually analyzed business and make stock recommendations. I, I've met someone that their role was to uh, analyze businesses and determine uh, whether they should uh, acquire those businesses. And they made recommendations to the executive and the board uh, looking at, you know, other related businesses. And my thing is is that I, the, how we use it, especially in the IT space, we are of that same family. Now, those areas might get a lot more um, – maybe more mainstream and people can relate to them. But for whatever reason, when we started introducing the aspect of the IT business analyst, and especially the technical business analyst, um, like you said, early on, it kind of became a catch-all. And maybe even starting out as more of a technical writer and then maybe a, a scribe from there. But it became this passive role. 
and through tradition and handing down, you know, different practices, a lot of people who have been introduced and onboarded into business analysis, they're still carrying out that function, uh, whereas, you know, what we call the order taker. But in the meantime, there's also been that branch and that group of people um, and through organizations, like you said, like the IIBA and through, you know, professional training uh, that's now out there and, and the different, you know, books and that have been authored about it have now developed themselves into more of that leader, business, leadership business analyst, senior business analyst, strategic business analyst. And even though for a long time, you know, early on tried to differentiate it by calling it the enterprise analyst, which that didn't necessarily um, take off. But I think that there, you know, at some point us in the business analyst world, and I'll say us, not pointing fingers, but we've got to take the bull by the horns and um, express ourselves and demonstrate ourselves as leaders, as team leaders within the project. Um, and not just some back office administrative function to the rest of the team. And if if that means, you know, differentiating, and, and I think that organizations can help in this too, is understanding the other role, the, the person that maybe is helping and doing some of the, almost like the equivalent of a project coordinator. You have a project coordinator and you have the project manager, um, and people recognize the project manager role as that leader role, and then you have the, the, the project coordinator um, that helps in that role. Both of them very valuable um, and and serve their purpose side by side. I think the same is as well as you have some team-level business analysts. They're, they're great with the troubleshooting, uh, getting the information, collecting it and making sure that it's it's organized and communicated in the way it needs to. And then you have the strategic leader uh, business analyst role as well. And so maybe somewhere along the way, maybe we'll we'll further define that and, and get that into the, the mainstream and, and get that communicated because I think that there's two different ones and um, the, the, it's really time for an for the role of the leader business analyst, the leadership kind of role, to now kind of take its place in parallel with the project manager and helping lead both a successful project and a successful product. Um, and I talk about, you know, that that's something that I bring up quite often is that you can have a successful project, and but the product could, be, you know, be a failure in that it doesn't deliver the value or the objective. So just delivering something um, might, you know, deem the project successful. But as a business analyst, having someone that is the steward over making sure the right thing is is being built. And so um, just wanting to make sure that that's just not a conversation that we're having in the BA community, um, but we we really need to, and this is something that you, you brought this up, that we're seeing in the Agile Boot Camp, that in some ways, just having a room full of business analysts and, and teaching to a room full of business analysts, sometimes you're preaching to the choir. They get it. They embrace it. They want to, you know, take on all of these different aspects. But these classrooms need to really actually have the team there so that 
everybody's bought into it, whether they're just supporting or they're providing part of that, that tea and supporting the, the business analysts, um, you know, them all seeing that they have a role in playing into making sure whether your business analyst or your team as a whole analysis is being done to the level and the quality that it needs to be done. So. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I needed to hit those points And, and then maybe no, I can circle no. back to what your question was But let me give you a chance to reply yeah, no, 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 I think this is a big piece of what we wanted to talk about today And I, I think, the, you know, we at BBC We had, you know, you were wearing one of the jerseys Like I was, you know, it was a sports jersey And on the back it says analysis is a team sport And I I think that's the the thing that people really have to to get in their heads that this is not analysis is not a person's just role and they're the ones doing analysis that there um, there might be a main responsibility of, of one or two people on the team um, but it's it's everybody's responsibility right that that we are focusing on the right things and we're thinking about um, all the the dependencies and things upstream downstream and, and all the impacts that we're gonna we're going to, that we're, the project is going to cause and making sure that everybody's comfortable with that and how we're moving forward to have, to, to have good products and that we're focusing on, you know, having a customer centric view and, and we're doing things that, that make sense for the business. So, yeah, I think that is, that is a a big key. Um, There was something else you said that I wanted to to hit upon, but I can't, can't remember right now. Um, uh, but I, I I do think the the attitude of 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 the teams and I, and this is you know so this goes back to my prediction I really am starting to see organizations be like ah okay I get it like we can't we're we're getting stuff done faster um, and that's good uh, but we're also um, you know one of the questions we ask our clients and, and you talk about in the class is like how much time are you spending on um, redoing stuff, right? And even even though refactoring and redoing stuff is part of Agile, but are there things that you didn't have to redo? Um, you know, and, and a good example that I like to throw out, and we always talk about house analogies um, or using that as a metaphor. Like, so if you're building a house um, and you're doing it in an Agile manner, and right now you just want a, a regular light that hangs on your ceiling. Um, so you put in a lightweight electrical box that can hold that light um but then you know the next iteration comes around you want a ceiling fan well now to to put a ceiling fan you actually have to start to tear up the whole wall because you need a heavier you know electrical box to hold that ceiling fan not just a lightweight um ceiling fixture so um if, if people and to me that's good analysis thinking about um a little bit long term and what can we do today that isn't going to take up any time right it's a difference between buying a lightweight electrical box and a heavy duty one is about three to four dollars so it wouldn't have been better just even if you didn't go down the route of getting a ceiling fan to put that in rather than the cost that it did cost the team because you had to rip out the ceiling and repatch it and, and all that kind of stuff so um Getting everybody on board and thinking in that manner is really important. Not just not just going through the motions. I think that's everything we talk about is is against just going through the you know, the motions. And 
and, and I'm, I'm a big believer, and I could tell people that are really doing analysis work well, if they're, like, at the end of the day, if they're tired, then that is a sign that they have done their job because they're thinking so hard every day about all this stuff and trying to pull the pieces together. Um, and, you know, I think about, what was that movie, the, the mathematician that he's writing all over the, the walls and, you know, his windows, uh, a beautiful mind. I think that, that yeah. to me is like, uh, not, not that, I mean, he obviously had some mental illness, but, uh, just, <laughs> I'm not saying. And maybe all business that, analysts have some mental illness, but that's okay. <laughs> we do, yeah. Maybe there is some therapy that we should go through and it's good for us. Um, but like, it's that kind of thought process, you know, that, um, people should be going through where at the end of the day, they're, they're wiped. Right. And, and they just need to, to go home and kick their feet up for a few minutes to, to get some energy back. Exactly. And, and, and that's one of the things, that, like you said, is that um, I think that people have the hardest concept. They want to see something tangible, and that's their proof that work is being done. Right. But some of what the business analyst is doing is some of that deeper thinking that allows the free up the team that once they get – moving, you know, at, you know, when we think about agile and that fast pace, my thing is, is if we set things up, especially, for example, in iteration zero, then that's what allows us to move at that fast pace for us to lean, use lean forms of communication and, and order or lean forms of documentation because we've done that setup and some of that deep thinking has been done up front or, or in the right questions have been asked. Um, and or we've set up the parameters to know that uh, what areas that we haven't done our deep dive into and that we're going to have to revisit at some point later, whatever those repercussions might be. So, um, you know, that, that said, again, like I said, people think they know a developer, you do code, so I should be able to count the lines of code you do. A tester, they test, I should know how many scripts that you've tested today, you know, and so they they yep. got hung up with the BA that if, you know, you write documentation, so I need to see how many, you know, I used to say that early on I felt like I got paid by the pound because the more paper you produce, you know, that, may, that, that was some type of indication that you were being productive, and that wasn't necessarily the case. There could have been a lot of thought that went into me trying to find a concise form of communicating things that are in, let's say, for example, a context-level data flow diagram. You know, when I put a context-level data flow diagram in front of people, I can talk to it for over a half hour. That you, right. All the information that you can glean from that and the conversations and the questions and the, you know, um, you know I, I say this in class, we'll do one of the exercises with the model and I'll stand back and I'll let them talk. And then I start, I said, do you see how much of a discussion came out of this, even though you guys read the same two or three paragraphs, there were, look how many different um, angles and perspectives that had to be put out and discussed and dissected just to get to this conclusion. That That's all valuable, and that's what sometimes um, is getting overlooked or downplayed until, you know, it, it comes back to Ruth. And, and I, I'm even going to go back to you know, our conversation about all these reorgs. I think sometimes there are some expensive and drastic 
whether it's reorgs or changing methodologies or changing approaches, whereas people aren't just really maybe reevaluating even what they are calling success and failures. One of the things we talk about in Agile is learning fast, or you know, the the other way of saying it is failing fast. People are pointing to those failures and saying, "Okay, well, Agile failed." No, we learned something from this, we, we, and we're going to in the fact that we adjust. That should be considered a win. And so, the, one of the things is is the things that people are considered uh, a failure, and the expectations even that management has. Um, I think that is costing some companies in the fact that they're doing these expensive reorgs and disrupting things drastically and give it another three to six months. And if you find yourself reorging again, to me it may be that you are ignoring some of the things that you culturally need to evaluate how you are actually defining success and failure. Now, I know that's a lot right. to say, but that, that's kind of a challenge to why, why do you have to reorg every six months? You know, what, what is it, what analysis do we need to do to help you get to the root cause? Because clearly you may be just doing knee-jerk reactions to, to some symptoms that are really more deep-seated in your, your, your culture and, and the beliefs that you're, you're basing success and failure on. Yeah, and, and I think um you know you know it is hard because there is you know you have to um as as a leader of a department or organization you you have to it's a combination of stuff of keeping keeping the lights on and getting things moving and and also uh innovating or changing the way we do things there is a uh and I think we we lean too much towards, uh, and this isn't my thought. It was this podcast I listened to on Freakonomics Radio about innovation versus maintenance. I forgot exactly what it was called, but it was basically talking about have we, with innovation, have we forgotten about maintenance? Um, and I don't know if this, this is exactly what you're saying, but it, what you said sparked this thought. And basically it was talking about that, in today's culture, everything is about innovation. You gotta let's change the way we're doing it, right? And people get excited about innovation. So maybe that's where, you know, these massive reorgs continue to happen because it's like it's innovative, right? It's and maybe maybe it's not innovative in the sense that this was the reorg this is where we were a year ago, um, and we keep flip flopping between the two every year. But um it it's a it's a massive change, right? So people get excited and they have t-shirts and boom they kind of make it happen where you know this the people in the podcast and the researchers and scientists were saying that there needs to be more cultivation in in maintenance right and less of these mass changes and so if you're if you can maintain like a, a good base of of employees and you can maintain the, the, this right culture then whatever the new thing is going to be then it's okay we could we could take that on and we can adapt to it. Um, so you know maybe something you said earlier about you know the, the first piece always needs to be about the people in your organization. And if you have if you have the right people, if you have this culture of being open to to, 
to change and need to be able to meet the new needs of today, then who, who knows what's, you know, we were talking about predictions earlier, you know, who knows what's going to happen a month from now, six months from now, five years from now, but it doesn't matter, right? We have, we have this right mix of people that can help us kind of grow and get to where we need to based on uh, what's happening in and around us. Absolutely. Well, let me let me just take a, a, a moment just to talk to our audience and, and, first of all, thank all of those who are listening to us and, and continuing to follow us in 2017. Uh, it's Coop, Cooper Smith with B2T Training and Jacqueline Sanders. You can find us both um, on Twitter. Please talk to us. And, and you can even talk to us live. This is a dial-in show, and we're going to continue even throughout the year. Our shows are going to be dial-in, um, so don't be be shy. We want to hear you agree, disagree, it, it's, it, or you just have a different perspective. The dial-in number is 714-888-7506, and you press 1, and we'll see you in our caller queue. Um, and then also, again, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Coop is at K-U-P-E, and I am at Requirements Pro, um, and also you can see any emails to Technology Expresso at technologyexpresso at gmail.com if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover. So hang on with us. I want you to hear a word from our, our sponsor and hear about some of the upcoming uh, B2T classes, and then Coop, when I Circle back, um, I want to continue with our predictions for 2016s and some of the the trends, but and also maybe even talk about, you know, the, the topic we're talking about is helping organizations in doing some analysis, some even some self-diagnosis of, you know, where they are and their, their needs and, and coming up with strategies to helping them uh, get on, on track. So um, we'll talk about that as soon as we uh, return. So stay with us, and uh, we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. So, your team has been doing Agile and seems to be doing well on the surface, but you've noticed some subtle cracks in the process. Team members are leaving the group, the team starts taking shortcuts, enthusiasm is low, or tension is surfacing more often. Does that sound familiar? Your team might be experiencing Agile burnout and sprint fatigue. B2T will help you address it and maybe even avoid it altogether. Call us today to find out about our Agile Analysis Boot Camp, which incorporates team building and bonding exercises that promote and reinforce Agile values and value management. This course also teaches cross-functional role-playing exercises and how to apply lean analysis techniques that help you avoid gaps in your user stories and acceptance criteria requirements. We offer this class to your team on-site or also as a public session for those who don't have a large group. Our next public Agile Analysis Boot Camp session will be taught by Jacqueline in Atlanta, March 13th through 15th. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. 
Find out more about this public class offering or call to speak with one of our Training Solutions Sales Associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number 2, T, training.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. And we are back. So back with Coop of B2T Training, and this is Jacqueline Sanders-Blackman, also of B2T as well as Technology Expresso. So Coop, so we're, we're, we're talking about the the predictions and and what you foresee for 2017. Um, you know, we we've talked about uh, organizations and a lot of the organizational changes. What, what else? What, any any other areas that we haven't hit upon as it relates to the predictions? Um, I don't know. You know, I I used to do this every year, like come up with the predictions and uh and then I started realizing I am probably not the, the best at it. Um so I think but those are the those are just the things like foreshadowing things that I I starting to I'm starting to see happening in the future. I do uh you know one of the other things that and again this is this is more less of a prediction and more of my my personal feelings of it is that analysis in general is going to take on a, a broader view or be accepted in the broader view. And I think, you know, that's, you know, when we talk about the work we're doing with agile teams, but also the, you know, the work that I've been doing, try to convince people that analysis is all about helping with decision-making and all the decisions that have to be made on, on projects. Um, and when you have a, a mindset like that, then it, then it is broader. Then it makes sense that, uh, you know, analysis is not about writing user stories or analysis is not about writing acceptance criteria. Analysis just isn't, isn't about writing, you know, workflow diagram, right? That, those are tools, as you mentioned earlier, but really what it's about is, is understanding impacts, highlighting impacts, highlighting solutions and giving people the information they need to, to make good decisions uh, and feel comfortable with the decisions they make throughout the mission. So, um, so it's less of a prediction, more of a, a hope that people, more and more people start talking about it in that form and fashion. Uh, because then I think organizations can, you know, can get off, we can get, we could stop talking about uh, project management versus business analyst versus QA versus developer, right? Um, and get get into the business of of doing work because yeah, I've been saying this for years that CIOs and CEOs really don't give a crap if uh, that we have a great BA practice or we have a great PM practice. Um, any one of those alone doesn't mean it. That's not the outcome that organizations are hoping for, right? That might be a step in the process that we focus on that, but in the end, it's not a standalone that we have a great BA practice in our company. Okay, fine, but we're still not delivering products the way we should, right? Or projects aren't uh, going over as smooth as, as they could. We're not reaching the goals and hitting the strategy 
uh, items that we need to hit as an organization. So that's what organizations care about. Um, and if uh, if we if we get away from the the individual roles, we continue to head down this path of getting away from those. Then I think we're uh, we're better off and focusing on the outcomes that organizations need. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> I, I, you know, you know, I, I could add a, a thing here or there, but I, I completely agree with you in in how I'm seeing that also manifesting itself as I mentioned earlier, is that not just sending one group to training, one one area. Sure, people, and then it goes back to the, the T-shape um, resources and how you develop your, your yep. resources with that T-shape is yes, they'll have their, some of their um, development will be around their specialized area, but there should be a segment of the training and development that's the team the team coming together because and I've witnessed this in the the class where you bring the team together and you start talking about what needs to uh, occur from dissecting and one person might take to the the data aspect of the analysis another person you know is good at breaking things down another person is good at summarizing and rolling things up another person can quickly connect the dots and so their own natural analysis and, and ability comes out and they find a way to become together the uber ba so to speak um, that right. one individual doesn't have to have one specialized, you know, uh, be a specialist in every aspect of analysis. And, and that's also something to be aware of is that there's a lot of different uh, areas of analysis and, and deep dive areas. And so different experiences and exposure and uh, disciplines within analysis, all of those ha- can come together to create that that super uber you know uh BA so the the team together finding what that that feels like and what that what that you know what works for them and so i definitely you know from a team perspective and i think that our training modules are starting to also focus especially when we talk about that agile umbrella on team training it's not BA training it's team training around analysis. And I know, you know, this is definitely something, it's it's almost like hopefully we're looking at a, a concept that you talked about for a while now that has really come of age, I think. It, it Maybe people are ready for it now, because I know this is, you've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think it's one of the things that, uh, you know, I could I could talk about it and I could, maybe you know i'm not saying i'm the oracle or anything but i you know um a a number of things you can see kind of the the future and you can see where things are going to hit but people they can't just listen to me right they have to experience it and feel it and know that ah okay yes now the things that coop and others were saying are coming to fruition i see i can see the light now right so and that's where you know i kind of kicked off um, and I had a conversation with uh, Kent yesterday, and he he asked me like, what what is what do I think the change is? And I just think people got to a point, um, and you know, Dennis was just talking about it on the on, on the promo, and and I know you worked on that, right? To talk about the fatigue, I think people got to a point where they did all these things that 
they were supposed to do, right? I mean, and those were maybe the first good pieces to to reformatting or reforming the team or reformatting their approach. But now they're realizing, oh, there's there's still something missing, and they're realizing that ah, that's the that's this team analysis piece. And if we can really focus on that, then we can start to to you know get past this next plateau. Exactly, and and I can say from from you know, my experience of watching Agile in and of itself mature is that there was some early on where I saw some of the, the purists um, kind of taking it and, and running with it, and it's easy to do. Yep. And, and, and what happens is, and, and I still find this sometimes today, is that someone wants to run to a book, and they said, well, I read this in the book, so the book said – and, you know, in and of itself, sometimes, you know, you're undermining Agile if you're just trying to follow page by page what works for someone else. And one of the things is people who've been around in IT 25, 30 years, you know, what worked for the last project, the next project is going to be a whole different set of circumstances and um, moving parts. And so, again, that Agile um, not the agile, but the analyst is, needs to look at those different components and saying, okay, with this combination of factors, what is what would work best? Right. And right. No. Um, oh, sorry for cutting you off because that's I get excited when people talk about because that is that to me is being agile, right? It's and that's being a good critical thinker and that's stopping and pausing and that's why you get tired because you, you know, every day, every week, every minute or every situation, right. Even like being focused for this, this radio show is doing that. Right. I mean, I, I've thought of things that I wanted to say today. Um, but now, like, as you bring up things um, that changes my thoughts and I have to adapt and vice versa, that's what good teams need to do. So there's not, there's not a best practice, and you follow. If you do this, if you do steps one through five every single day, every single project is going to be great. It's going to, right? There, there's not, it's not that kind of environment. So, uh, and, and a lot of stuff that we grew up with, you know, it, was, it used to be called requirements engineering, right? So, what's the whole point there? That there are standards, and you do things in a certain way, and if you do them in a certain way, we know what the results are going to be. So that's just not the case. It is it, proven that that's not the case in what we do. So you have to, you can't just pick a best practice. You have to look at all these practices that are out there and then look at your situation and be able to to adapt and do what's right and make sure things um, are heading in the right direction. And, you know, like I said earlier, like with the principles of Agile, you you need to buy into some of these principles of Agile, but how you get there or how you implement those principles could be different. And that's okay. To me, that's fun. Um, as long as uh, everybody's going down the same direction with those principles. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, one of the things that, that, that comes to mind for, for me, uh, like it might not necessarily be a prediction, but it's maybe my hope for 2017 is that um, 
organizations seeing not only analysts within their organization, but analysts because, you know, within B2T, each of us are all practicing analysts 20, 30, you know, years of experience, but not just seeing us as someone that can just teach the skill set and pass on the skill set to other analysts, but we're also the ones that can help with assessing with, with their current environments, um, pain points are, and helping them to uh, even articulate those pain points, and not just the, the symptoms, but getting to the, the root cause, and then helping them come up with, you know, strategies. So it, it's like sometimes I feel like even within IT and we're going through these transformations, we're not necessarily leveraging some of the analysis techniques you know, as these organizations are trying to do these transformations. Um, you know, you, you have someone that has an idea that they want the group to go to Agile, so maybe they're looking for some type of turnkey approach. I'll send everybody to training, and, and I'll move their desk around, and then we'll call ourselves Agile, and we'll put up, you know, a board and implement a tool. And there is, a you know, there a lot of organizations, I think now, there's enough, history and examples that we can say that it's not necessarily that straightforward and use your analysis to and, and use some of the analytical approaches that we know works for when you're trying to determine the right product to build is also helps to determine what's the right way to implement new processes um, and approaches to how you do projects. Yeah. So I, I want to put that out there, that, that people use um, the uh, analysis and uh, for also their transformation. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is uh, so I finally remember. Remember earlier I said you made me think of something, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, <laughs> I, it was I brought you back, huh? <laughs> you, you just said what I wanted to say. So, because I was going to say something like you got to treat these as a project, and it, it's really funny. I think, and I've been in too many. Uh, too many situations where, you know, as an IT organization, what do we try to do with product projects, right? We, we have project manager and we have analysts and we try to do exactly what you're saying, right? Look at the situation. What's the as is, what's the to be, um, what's the gap? How do we get there? Should we build something? Should we buy something? Uh, do we improve a process? Um, that's what we do every day, but we don't do this. We don't take the same initiative for our internal projects and to me going to a new approach is a project right um so it's like what's happening today where are what's working well today what's not working so well what should we change what shouldn't we change you know what's the 2b that we're looking to get to and what's the path that we take to get there i i really um don't think we do that enough, right? Back in the day when requirements tools started popping up, somebody, you know, executives would go to a conference or and they would see a really cool tool. And it, it probably, even if it was the right choice, um, there was no analysis done to say, is this a good thing? Why are we doing it? Why are we implementing it? How do we get it implemented across the company? We just go out and buy it and say, okay, guys, start using this tool. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, so that's what I was going to talk about. We, we have to approach these things like an initiative. And, and part of that is good analysis, right? Um, 
and making sure that we're we're focusing on the right thing while we're implementing a no, new approach. And to your point, it's so what does success look like, right? What is what are we trying to achieve? So even though there's little failures, um, that doesn't mean we're not on the path to succeed. Um, it, it, but if you haven't talked about what success looks like for your team or for your organization, then it's it's easy to say, well, we keep failing. Let's try something else. Absolutely, and you know, I, and, and if I could, like I said, this may not be a prediction, but this is something <laughs> that I hope to see a lot more in 2017. Was an example that that occurred in 2016, where someone brought us in for to help them with their their agile practice. But I, I love the fact that we, you know, they did. We did it in a way that we brought the teams in, and we uh, trained the teams, and and did some. It was really some team building within it, because it's like I want you to feel agile. I don't want to teach you agile. A lot of them, that, which we know, have read books and even taken other classes, um, and, and they took a, a pretest. So we knew they knew the terms and the concepts and could recite them, but to feel it and to experience it. But the one thing that they did on top of that is the team and group training was that management went to training uh, as a prerequisite to their students actually being and their teams actually being in the class. And so that there was a certain uh, coaching and setting up the, the framework so that when the team came back, the management was and leadership was on the same page. And, um, and it goes back to back to some of the analysis that we've done is that you have management that will come and say, this is the problems that our teams are having. Well, some of the problems that the teams are having, if you talk to the team, has to do with how leadership is still, um, you know, overseeing and, you know, the kind of rewards and recognition and, and, and management of those teams. So there, it's kind of a, a two parts to it. And sometimes it's not, you know, the leadership, the same leadership that is the ones that is seeking out the, the training and that type of thing, they also, there's a certain level of helping them understand the terminology and the, the concepts around whether it's agile or whether it's just analysis in general. Um, and it just helps with the level setting. And we've seen a lot of success with that. Um, and then my other example, too, well, let me pause and let, let me see if there's anything that you want to, uh, you know, what, what your thoughts are on, on that. No, that, there's nothing really to add other than to, you know, to piggyback on saying that there, that goes back to that there's so many different facets of this stuff um, that it's not just one thing and organizations have to think of the, this broader view. So um, in management, like management understanding how they have to change, right? It's not just about, oh, the teams now have to change how they're doing business. It's, it's, it's a broader thing. It's the direct managers, it's their leaders, it's, you know, the neighbors, it's the organizations around those teams that also have to change. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that was my, my second part too, is, is that uh, a lot of groups, as you know, they're trying to mature their practices and, and just maturing the, the success of their various pra projects because some of them are experiencing 
levels of success. Maybe they're they're trying to get it where it's more predictable or consistent or, or just trying to, you know, just kind of close the gap what, where they are. So not everything is just a, a, a epic fail and worst-case scenario. There are people who have em, embraced and practicing Agile, um, and so I want to, you know, recognize and applaud them oh, as yeah. well. But it, it's also, okay, well, how do we mature and make sure it's sustainable? That's that's a, a word that, you know, I refer to a lot, too, is that um, some of these practices that, that I've seen is that you're getting it out, but how are people going to feel? And, you know, it's some I've seen within 12 months starting to see, like you said, which we mentioned, the sign of fatigues and, and, and burnout. And so how does, again, a, a scrum master and leadership make sure that we keep the teams healthy to keep it sustainable? Because you may be on to a good thing, but that good thing's not going to last at the rate that you're you're currently going. So it's it's about maturing. And, again, sometimes it's helpful to let others come in because, you know, we, we partner with our, our clients and, and to help them actually helping them do some of the assessment and the analysis. And so it's not that they just have to come to us with a pain point or a problem and now, you know, making training reactive versus making training proactive, you know, is, is, is some of my, my mindset too because this is, again, so that you can sustain over the, the long term. So, you know, helping doing the assessment and looking at maturing your organization and not just that just-in-time training or that reactive training because what I also see with reactive training is that people will pinpoint one particular pain point, which might just be from one person's perspective, which, you know, again, as a business analyst, we've seen this before on our projects. Um, where someone comes with a, a pain point but it's only one perspective and we go and fix that one thing and really it's just a symptom of something else. And, if, for example, you know, if someone comes and says, you know, well, we're having a problem with user stories being too big, you know, yeah, we could, we, we've, got, we've got that, you know, two-day class. We, we can take care of that for you. But the fact of the matter, I can, the, my first question might be is, okay, how do you guys define the goals for uh, your epics? And, or, you know, what is the definition of, you know, the value for your epics? How do you define that? And I get the blank stare. I'm like, well, if we don't have a value assigned to the epic, when we break down the stories, then we're never going to have anything to reconcile it back to in or be able to find a minimum viable product. So, but all of that said, is that something that someone may not pick as a pain point? Because, you know, assigning a value to an epic doesn't feel like a pain point. All you know is the symptom when it rears, you know, when it manifests itself later on in the project and, and everyone's kind of bewildered when it comes to the user story level. So that that's one of those things is about being, uh, you know, proactive about, you know, your, your training, not just reactive and looking at it from a analysis and strategic perspective. And, and I hope to see a lot more of that in 2017. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, I, I'm going give it, to give it back to you. You know, I've, I've gotten my, you know, I was able to get my wish list. 
out there and maybe plant some seeds. So, uh, you know, might be a little bias there. But what else are you hoping for for uh, 2017? Or what do you want to say to the, the, the community out there? You know, I know we've been to various conferences and people have been giving you their comment, their feedback, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly about where the, the you know, industry and discipline is. So what what other thoughts do you have for 2017? I think, yeah, I'm hoping this year, um, and this isn't to say that it's never happened. I know sometimes I talk in, in absolutes um, or it's just easier to talk in absolutes. But um, I think one of the things that I want people to take the ball by the horns when it comes to promoting analysis, all the things that we're talking about, um, and, and that we've had talked about over the last year and we'll continue to talk about and other people are talking about how to do good business analysis and how to get recognized and how to show the value of analysis and, and, and not just wait for other people to do it or wait for the um, wait for approval to do something. Um, you go to a training class, you watch a webinar or you read a book and you know that, or you have this feeling like it's going to, it can help then just go and do it um, and not not wait for approval or the go-ahead from a manager to say, yes, you can now try this new technique out. Um, it's, it's just go for it and do it. And I think one of the ways to feel comfortable with that is to – so not everybody – some people do, right? And this is why it's not an absolute. Some people are constantly doing that. They're lifelong learners, and they're trying to figure out how can I improve. I did it this way yesterday, but – Something's not right, so maybe it has to do with this piece, so I'm going to try a new technique or try a different approach here um, and not wait for somebody to give me the approval to do it. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable, so for those that um, are listening and, and be like, oh, Coop, I can't take the bull by the horns, I'll get slapped down, or, you know, my manager, I won't get the promotion I want, raise I want, it just doesn't work in my organization. Um, and, and the list of reasons goes on, then find a mentor um, that can give you guidance on how to do it. Um, and maybe there's somebody within your organization that can make you feel comfortable or have these conversations, your managers, to, to allow you to do whatever it is. Um, just somehow figure out how to do it. And I, I, to me, I feel like having uh, mentorship is a great way to um, use somebody that's had experiences so someone like you Jacqueline with years of experience yeah you you have the war wounds right um, you have the battle scars uh, because you did go for it um, and uh, you've learned a lot from that so you know having a mentor like that can easily uh, give you their experience so that you don't make some of the same mistakes um, uh, or maybe silly mistakes that we've made in the past just because we came upon them um, but also give you the comfort to go ahead and try something and have somebody there that can give you really good feedback and advice to, to improve going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I can um, say is also what I've seen that people who have, like you said, just go for it, you know, um, show what you have to offer, show your value, show your, your leadership, step outside of the, the box, so however you want to put it. The people, when when I can now look back, because, again, having done this, you know, for 20, 
30 years, I've seen a lot of people and I've seen their careers as they've uh, evolved. And those that I see that stepped out there, and even in the, the, the moment and, in, and even in the maybe the organization that they were in at the time where they kind of stepped out there, they may not have gotten that immediate kind of recognition or reaction or reward for uh, their efforts there, but I'll tell you that right now in their careers, they progressed into leadership roles um, where they're respected. And sometimes they stayed within those organizations. Sometimes they found themselves going on to others. And, um, you know, I'm not going to name names, but just last year I got some uh, texts and updates because as, as friends and colleagues keep in touch, you know, it's great to see when they, they give you their, their updates. And they moved on, and, and I've seen things, you know, come to fruition. But they were things that, you know, they stood by their convictions of what they felt like uh, a valuable BA should contribute to the organization. They did that, uh, whether they were asked to or whether it was respected. And I, even myself, I, I know there's been times where um, after a time, I remember one particular incident where it took three years what I predicted and said that we should be doing, it wasn't done. And it came to fruition about three years later, and they wanted me to come back. And I felt like definitely that ship had sailed at that point, and it was unfortunate uh, because they were in a very sticky uh, situation, and it took them at least a couple of years to um, dig themselves out of a, a hole that didn't have to happen. Um, and that's the main thing. I, I mean, you know, our passion, both Coop and myself and, and, and I think everyone at B2T, our passion is that we don't want to have to say, I told you so. We've seen it, and so we're saying these things and really trying to help people to to prevent, you know, that, that situation. At the same time, you know, sometimes the where you are and the experience you're in, maybe at that moment they don't appreciate all that you have to offer but it's basically still building up your marketability to wherever you need to go or want to go until you find someone that does understand and respect what, you know, a full life cycle um, and a, a robust business analyst brings to the to the table. So, you know, to your point, Coop, yeah, a bit of a, a pep speech to those out there if they're um, not feeling empowered. And to your point, get a mentor or coach and, and even surround yourself with other professionals, both either online or if you have an IIBA chapter, to keep, you know, your energy level up and um, stand by your convictions. That, that, that's what I would add to that. Yeah. No, that's, and, you know, this is a good time to, to talk about this, right, where it's a, at least I feel like the beginning of the year is kind of a, uh, a reset moment. Um, so you can – do that and have a fresh year to, to start trying different things, learning those things. I just, the thing that I, I struggle with the most is kind of the victim mentality. Of, well, I couldn't do it because of this. I didn't do that because of this. Yeah, I know it's the, the right thing to do, but I didn't because of that. Um, there, and, and I don't want you, anybody to get into a situation where they're uncomfortable and they feel like uh, it could jeopardize their career or their job. Um, i I, I don't uh, I don't want anybody to do that. Um, but also, 
I want you to break down, break assumptions down. You know, a lot of people I talk to are like, oh, it's a career limiting move or I'll get fired if I try that. Well, in, in these, in the organizations we work for, how many people just get fired, right? Um, and, and why not have conversations with your management to say, I really want to try this stuff. Like, where can I do it? You know, I really, you know, I, I know this is the right thing to do. I want to be able to prove it. Let me do it, right? Give me let's find a spot that I can do it in. Um, and it, it, so even if it's not even in your organization, I think, you know, I volunteer a good amount in, in different organizations. And I always, I, that's where I try a lot of new stuff. Um, I think it, maybe it's bad. Uh, that the, the organizations I volunteer for get, um, are my, my peach tree dish, right? They're my testing ground, but <laughs> What are they going to fire me? You know, it's like uh, I'm just a volunteer, so yeah. Uh, you don't want me to volunteer my time? Okay, I'll go somewhere else. Um, so uh, you know, that's that's a good place to to try new things out. And I remember, like, real early in my career when I first became a BA, I was on a it was a PTA organization, and they needed some process. We like there was process improvement stuff that had to go on within the organization. I was like, oh well. I just went to this class. Let me try, you know, I'll try to, you know, I got Visio out and started drawing stuff. And, you know, so it, it's like, that's a good place to get comfortable and, you know, make a few, uh, have a few bumps in the road. Uh, and again, like if they, if they decide to fire you, then, you know, you weren't making any money with them anyway. So. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, the other thing, you know, I have to give kudos to, uh, a couple of our students that uh, have taken our our class, and when they return back to um, their roles, it might have been just a, a in between projects or that type of thing where they weren't able to apply it. And I love when they say, "Well, I you know use maybe a home improvement project, and I applied <laughs> agile." Um, one just very recently said she was doing a uh, remodeling, and so she set up an agile board and had daily conversations uh, with the contractor to talk about her priorities. And she said they had to negotiate a few, and and she had to explain to him what the value was to her. And she said she got to use her terminology and language and and the, the concept, and she was completely thrilled with it because it actually she saw how it did help the the project, the project manager. Uh, or, or I guess the contractor, um, which is like the, the the project manager, he liked the, the the way they approached it and it helped them with their communications. And so, you know, like you said, instead of being the the victim and they won't let me um, use this stuff, then you find a way, find a way to at least, you know, again to to do your own professional development and and maintenance as well because, um, you know it. It's for you as well as for the the organization, and and I dare say uh, some of the people when when they talk about what the organization will and won't do, I often like to remind them. Well, they did pay for this training, so you know they they at least you know that in and of itself is an investment on their part. So sometimes now you have to find a way to to help them to to find ways to incorporate it. Um, you know, sometimes grassroots informally and then build its way into uh, a, a formal uh, component of the right. uh, approach, you know. So, you know, no victims here. We, we weren't, no victims allowed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, we hey, we've hit uh, just about our 90-minute mark, and uh, mm-hmm. leave an opportunity to just hear a, a word from our sponsors. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of great things for 2017, a lot of things that are coming of age. We are ready for, you know, people to, to come and contact us and connect with us and to share if you've if your experience are similar or different. So next episode in about two weeks, look for the, the date. We'll be posting it out there. Um, and also follow us. Click the follow button so that you can get the notifications of when our next episodes are coming um, because we want you to, to stay in touch and be a part of. And next time, don't be shy. Dial that number and um, we'll let you talk as well. We want to hear what you have to say. But thanks, Coop. It's been a, a, a great show. Any final words on your part? No, I think, you know, we're right at that 90-minute mark. It's just another example of, man, how are we going to talk about this stuff for 90 minutes? And then <laughs> I, I still I wish we had another 90, but, you know, we'll have to wait for a couple of weeks. Absolutely. You know, it's exciting times, so I'm really looking forward to 2017 and a lot more of these great conversations and dialogue. And so thank you, Coop, and thank you, everyone, for listening. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. So, your team has been doing agile and seems to be doing well on the surface, but you've noticed some subtle cracks in the process. Team members are leaving the group, the team starts taking shortcuts, enthusiasm is low, or tension is surfacing more often. Does that sound familiar? Your team might be experiencing agile burnout and sprint fatigue. B2T will help you address it and maybe even avoid it altogether. Call us today to find out about our Agile Analysis Boot Camp, which incorporates team building and bonding exercises that promote and reinforce agile values and value management. This course also teaches cross-functional role-playing exercises and how to apply lean analysis techniques that help you avoid gaps in your user stories and acceptance criteria requirements. We offer this class to your team on-site or also as a public session for those who don't have a large group. Our next public Agile Analysis Boot Camp session will be taught by Jacqueline in Atlanta, March 13th through 15th. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about this public class offering or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number 2, T, training.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. Good day, great people. Sean Thomas here, the entrepreneur. Her. Thank you so much for your support of great programming like this one at Technology Expresso. Are you a corporate professional ready to leap and start a business but do not know exactly how to separate yourself in the marketplace? Or maybe you're a small business owner struggling to get the word out about your amazing business. Well, I want to help you do just that. 
My creative marketing agency has the unique ability to market your products and services in such a way that your clients and customers will be more than attracted to you. We help you build credible visibility through digital storytelling that is personal yet professional. We create amazing websites social media marketing campaigns, and much, much more. If this sounds like what you've been looking for, I want to talk to you. Give me a call at 404-796-8858. That's 404-796-8858. Once again, 404-796-8858. Look forward to talking to you soon. Sean Thomas, The Entrepreneur. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.